appreciate such hostility from my own co-host. Would you rather have poop? <laughs> You'd prefer poop to being called a peanut you know, you know what? You and everyone else calling for poop to be sent to me. If I turn out to be right, I will dance like Tobey Maguire in <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Ha! Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> just to torture all of you <laughs> oh god once was enough <laughs> oh man welcome to the marvelous madams podcast we're your hosts madam chris and i'm madam amy we are burdened with the glorious purpose of talking all things marvel madams assemble All right, so I want to start off this episode by saying I have never been so pissed off at an episode of television that I was at the end of the excellent, the totally excellent adventures of Mac and the D. <laughs> Why were you pissed off? It was quite a lighthearted episode. Yeah, I know. All I wanted to do after last week was continue hating Deke, but these writers said, nope, not going to let you do that. <laughs> yeah they can't let you decide on anything can they no they really can't because one week he is defibrillating a national fucking treasure and this week (laughs) he is a a rock star and like the greatest human being on planet earth well in his defense with enoch as much as i hated the fact that he hurt enoch like Gemma said his heart was in the right place but he was misguided yeah, and that's the thing, is Deke's heart is always in the right place. It just doesn't always connect with his brain very well. <laughs> um, that would assume he has a brain. This is true. But you know what? I think this episode showed that he definitely does. True. Yeah. So last week we were all shocked when uh, Mac and Deke got left behind. I was really happy with the way they opened this episode. Because they relieved that tension right away by showing that Deke was back with the team. And thus, of course, we'd figure Mac was back with the team, too. Right. Either that or it could have been like Mac died or some shit like that. And that's why May was so adamant on getting a full debrief. Oh, I think May just has zero patience for Deke and his shenanigans. Well, that's true. Yeah. And you know what? Deke is right, too. I wouldn't believe it. Well, you got to admit, it is a bit exaggerated. Yeah. And, you know, somebody on Twitter pointed that out. The whole episode is told from Deke's point of view. How reliable of a narrator is he? Well, he has been known to... Embellish? That would be... A kind way of putting it? Yeah. 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 It would certainly explain all the blood. That is very true. No doubt Deke was spending a lot of time watching movies in 1982 in between knocking on Mac's door. Mm. Yeah, he suddenly got the fashion, right? Oh, we'll get there. So, <laughs> but first, we start out meeting what can only be described as the quintessential 80s nerd. Yeah, and the music. Yeah, this guy, I don't know who he is, but serious props to him for taking a big hit for the nerd team on the whole here. <laughs> that's a rough look yeah 
So I guess Sybil, in her infinite technical wisdom, managed to find copies of like Cosmo or whatever magazines were around in the 80s, because that woman knows how to butter up a lonely nerd. (laughs) I think it's got to do more with her uh, observation of human beings. Maybe. Yeah, I mean... He kind of does wear his heart on his sleeve a little bit at one point, just saying, you sound like an actual woman. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's only ever heard about them in stories and never really seen one. (laughs) Yeah, well, if you look behind him, he uh, he has a pin board and it's all just pictures of women. Yeah. And later on, Sybil's that little printout is added there in the in a very prominent place of honor. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, I'm thinking there might be some bodies in the floorboards. Wouldn't be surprised at the very least. Okay, then. Once we meet Sybil here on this old, uh, even pre-Fox Mulder computer, I was definitely flashing back to Captain America the Winter Soldier, back to Dr. Zola in Jersey. Right. You know that printer, that printer with the printing noises, that gave me flashbacks. To? When I was working uh way back when I was in college and the office had this really old printer which used to do that sound while it used to print oh man that sounds like torture yeah and we did a lot of printing all right so while Sybil's getting her groove back here (laughs) Deke is trying to wake Mac out of this little spell he's under and Mac is having none of it Yeah, Mac is depressed. He is done. Yeah, completely. You know, actually, just moving a little back right at the beginning when we see the Zephyr disappear, Mac totally lashes out at Deke. Yeah, he completely blames him for his parents' deaths. Yeah, uh, I was not on board for that. I mean, I get it. The guy is in pain. But not okay. You don't get to blame somebody for, no, you don't get to put that on him. Yeah. And how does Deke killing Malik have anything to do with with Mac's parents dying? Mac's parents were already taken before Malik died. Exactly. And who is Mac to to talk about ripples, not waves? He's the one who made the call to save Daniel Seuss's life. Exactly. The hypocrisy. And it comes back even to Daisy. Like he ripped Daisy a new one for trying to kill Malik. He's getting onto Deke's case. Yeah. No, while he goes and saves this other dude. I could forgive people a lot of things said, you know, in the early bouts of grief, but he goes too far here. Yeah, Uh, Not only just blaming Deke for their deaths, but then just completely abandoning him. Yeah, yeah, totally. He just, I, I think he just gave up. He thought that the Zephyr isn't going to come back, and that's the end of that. Yeah, he was numb at that point. He just didn't care. Yeah, pretty much. Which segues well into Mac's exit from life, because he <laughs> really looks like the Terminator in that leather jacket on the motorcycle. You know, you need sunglasses for the Terminator reference to work. He wasn't wearing sunglasses. It was cloudy doesn't matter terminator equals sunglasses (laughs) oh it was so sad seeing him watching his younger self 
Yeah. And it's so weird because the, the feelings must be so muddled because he's grieving not only for his parents, but he's grieving for himself. Yeah, true. And the life that he had that he knows that he won't have now. Right. It has to be the weirdest feeling. Yeah. So Max slides into a major depression here. And I think they do a good job in portraying this, except for one thing. Okay, so we've got the austere looking apartment that looks more like a hotel room. Check. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was kind of like a hotel. Yeah, we've got loads of beer. Check. We've got him sinking himself endlessly into a hobby and staying up all hours of the day and night to do it. Okay, check. However, did you guys not see Endgame? Do you not know how it works? Where's the giant <laughs> prosthetic belly? We know you have one, Marvel. If you're going to go Fat Thor, you go Fat Thor. Well, then it wouldn't make sense for him to suddenly turn around and become fucking Rambo, right? Yeah, but I'm sorry. That's that's just a problem. There was not a stray free weight in that apartment. There was no Bowflex. Nothing. Okay, he's subsisting on nothing but beer and probably pizza and Chinese food. He ain't going to still look like Mac. <laughs> yeah, I guess they didn't want to go spend all that money considering how much they spent on that beard. Do you mean the 99 cent Velcro they got at the dollar store? Yeah. <laughs> the one he could just peel off and instead flip <laughs> up onto his head and make an afro out of it? <laughs> that would be more realistic. <laughs> oh my god, what is with this show and facial hair this season? I know, right? God. I think they really ran out on the budget. With all the CGI for the Chronicoms and all of that, I, they just had to, something had to give. And it was the facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it... You know, speaking of Fat Thor with this, this all this terrible facial hair, was Kenneth Branagh involved in this? Hmm? We saw what you oh. did to Thor, buddy. <laughs> or did you have a hand in this? Were you a technical advisor? <laughs> Stay tuned. Probably. Stay tuned for that episode in a couple of months, people. We're gonna rip into that one. Uh-huh. We're gonna have a good time with that episode. So Ah, again, credit to Deke here. This entire episode, he never gives up on Mac. Yeah. He's such a good friend, draw, trying to draw him out, bringing him stuff. Getting him groceries because he didn't probably want him to die of a heart attack. Yeah. This had me cracking up for a couple of reasons. Number one, when he shows up with the kickball. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, yes, sign me the fuck up. I haven't played kickball since the sixth grade and I'm dying too. Okay. As and with the same ball, I just flash back to the only like happy memories of elementary school I have. I had to stop the playback on this. I was laughing so hard when Mac basically kicks Deke out of the house by throwing the <laughs> ball outside. I'm like, oh my god! Yeah. He got Deke out of his house the same way I get my dog to go back in her crate. <laughs> just throw a toy. Yeah, and I love the fact that. Uh, Mac just throws the ball and he kind of looks like, oh, you know, like, oh, I wonder where it's gone. And Deke goes out like a little puppy and just, bam, he bangs the door there. Exactly. That's exactly what I do every day. 
because I also have a hyperactive puppy who needs a distraction to get her to do something. That speaks volumes about Deke and his mm, maturity true. level. Mm-hmm. But he does get shit done this episode. He does in the form of, drumroll, the Deke squad. Yeah. So he gets Mac to show up at this bar, telling him it's urgent. Were you as blown away as I was? With his singing? Yeah. Hell yeah. Jeff Ward is fantastic. Yeah, like, dude can sing. Yeah, because I'm wondering, oh, are they going to do some lip syncing here? And then he started the cover and I was like, holy shit, that's him. Yeah. And the way he was up there, I haven't looked it up yet. I will. There is no way this was his first time singing on a stage. Hmm, possibly. He looked like he was born on stage. Okay. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I didn't get very nostalgic about this episode because the 80s just really aren't my thing. Uh, I was born in 87, so Breakfast Club and stuff like that was a little before my time, a little before my generation. I'm mm-hmm. a 90s girl. I will make Saved by the Bell references all day long, which I will in a few minutes. So stick a pin in that one. So I've never actually seen the Breakfast Club all the way through, but everybody knows that song. So that I did recognize. Okay, how have you not seen the Breakfast Club? I've never seen it all the way through. And what I did like, I just didn't care for. Mm, neither did I. John Hughes is kind of hit or miss with me. I don't really have a middle ground with him. Okay. So yeah, Deke sounds fantastic. But of course, he is stealing other people's music that has yet to be created. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of his pattern, isn't it? Yeah. And that is what Mac points out. But what Mac doesn't know yet is that he's doing good with it this time. Deke is basically like a pure of heart Biff Tannen. <laughs> While Deke is telling his story, May is not having it. She does not believe him. And I loved this because it doesn't look like May is emotionless. She looks pissed and fresh out of patience. Yeah. <laughs> that made me happy. That made me smile. <laughs> like, there she is. Yeah, I am now confused with her completely. I think that's the intention. Great. Of course, because like I didn't have any less questions in this episode, which I'm going to get to. Okay, so now we have to discuss, I'm going to call it Deke's Ensemble, (laughs) because it's not just the outfit. I'll give him this. Yes, he looks ridiculous, but it is 1982. So technically he is the peak of high fashion. 1983. 83 at this point. Right, right, right. He coordinates an outfit better than I ever could. (laughs) He's also better with makeup than I could ever hope to be, which is why I haven't worn any in well over a year. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's got some heavy eyeliner going. But you know what? I got to give it to him. He makes it look good. Yeah, he does. True. The rest of the squad also are not bad, except for Cricket. Speaking of Cricket here, for half a second, my heart jumped because just for a second, I thought that was Jeremy Renner. Why would you even think that? Because he looks like Jeremy Renner. He looks like he, if if Jeremy Renner and Jack Sparrow morphed together into one person, that's what you would get. <laughs> yeah, and it would make sense for them to, for their spawn to be named Cricket, who sells Coke. But he hardly ever drinks any. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Please explain to me how in 1983 Deke doesn't know what cocaine is, but he can speak pig Latin. Where is he get where is he getting his information? Is he watching Sesame Street to learn about the world? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so we have Cricket, we have Roxy, who is probably the sanest of all of them, I think. Yeah, okay. Roxy, our glass, as they put her badge, she is a bit of a tribute to one of the Firefly actors. Oh, okay. Ron Glass, uh, he played Shepherd Book. Uh, he passed away a couple of years ago. So this character is kind of like a tribute to him. And he was the doctor. The, you remember back when, yeah, back when in the season one? the doctor who one? worked on Coulson. Yep. Yep. That was him. Mm-hmm. So we have them. And then we have the Chang twins, who I think are absolutely hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then we have Olga, who's basically a Bond villain, but a good guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Now... Just because this doesn't really have anything to do with the plot, but skipping ahead a little bit. Did you catch the subtitles towards the end where Deke is calling her like his precious flower or rose petal or something? So he's he's into her, but apparently she wants Roxy. So Deke hasn't figured out she's a lesbian. (laughs) Yeah, well, Deke doesn't seem to be having very good luck with women, does he? No. He really needs to do a better job of reading the room. (laughs) He probably just chalked it up to a language barrier. I could see him like bringing her a big basket full of lemons and her looking at him just picking one up and just eating it like a fucking apple because she's a psycho. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, yeah, we have this ragtag bunch here calling themselves the Deke Squad and... Mac thinks it's a big joke, but in reality, and I think this was pretty brilliant, Deke is using this band as a cover for the fact that they are a covert shield team. Right. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he's even turned the lighthouse into his own outpost again. Yeah, pretty much. And back to the lighthouse we go again. (laughs) But Mac does not take him seriously still at this point. Well, Mac is... He doesn't want to take it seriously, no matter how serious or no matter how sorted Deke would have been, he still would have lashed out. Yeah, that's true. Now, this is probably the only time I was okay with heading back to the lighthouse once we get there, because who do we find? Coulson. Sort of. (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah. (laughs) So poor Coulson is trapped inside an old school 80s TV because he now exists only on a hard drive. Yeah. Now I have questions. Let them fly. And I need answers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number one, how did he escape into the hard drive? Good question. Number two, later on when May and Yo-Yo come to uh, the lighthouse, May says that Gemma had had given her instructions to get the hard drive. How did Gemma know? Uh Uh-huh. And how the fuck did they get back to 1983 in the first place? Exactly, yes. I was going to get to that at that point, but no harm. And how is Colson being able to track Sybil through the power lines? Right, when he himself is trapped inside a TV. Yes. Nonetheless, he is aware that Sybil escaped and that she is now building herself new hunters. Right. So Sybil escaped, Colson escaped, 
but none of the others escaped. Yeah, it's interesting. And mm -hmm. we especially not your favorite General Zod. <laughs> well, we do know that Coulson's been keeping busy. As he put it, there's been a lot of soul searching going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's because he escaped. Yeah. What about the rest? And it makes you wonder what kind of plan he had in place to blow himself up. How much time passed between him leaving Sybil and blowing the place up? Who did he have time to talk to? Who did he have time to consult about this? It didn't seem like he had much time. He no. literally just unplugged himself and blew the place up. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't even plugged in. How did he escape? Added to the list. I was really hoping that you were going to give me some kind of explanation. <laughs> Seriously? Do you know me? <laughs> Have we met? True. Update true. the serial killer board. Do you need more yarn? Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm running out of ink. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of Sybil, she's pretty much done with this nerd. He has served his purpose. Yeah, he did a good job giving her a little robot body, which admittedly looked rather cute. He thought so. Yeah. I'm pretty sure with he the flowers. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure he had a ring in his pocket. <laughs> Dude's all set to propose. But uh mm -hmm. she had other ideas, namely ordering one of her new killer robots to impale him 80 style like a good old slasher movie. Somebody else on Twitter had mentioned, and I completely agree, there is more blood in this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. than there is in the entire Infinity Saga. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because everything has to be PG-13, but this show is on at 10 o'clock at night on network TV, so. Yeah, and it does have a bit, uh, overall, over the seasons, it has gotten quite a bit darker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this was not the grossest thing we've ever seen no, certainly not. It was definitely the bloodiest, no. though. Yeah, but it was funny. Yeah, I give them credit. That blood looked real. It was good. It was well done. Mm-hmm. So then we head back over to the lighthouse, and oh, my God, I never knew I needed to see Phil Coulson rolled around in a TV before. <laughs> yeah, but that weird low polygon graphics behind him yeah poor guy he's not even not like high def it's ugh, that's rough <laughs> and he's still himself he's still so full of sarcasm and just general self-deprecation it's wonderful yeah did it seem like he was a bit too chipper no not at all i think he played i think he was perfect yeah yeah i think he played it absolutely perfectly because what's he gonna do he's got no physical body how how upset can he get he can get upset. He can get upset, but like he's Colson, so he knows they're going to figure a way out of this. And he's probably been through that already because he's been stuck in this for how his consciousness has been stuck for years without anybody. So he's been through all that. Yeah. Well, he's been stuck since the 70s. Yeah. Presumably. Yeah. Yeah. Unless he was dormant till Deke woke him up. There's no way to know. Mm hmm. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. Another question. Why did Sybil wait till 1983 to try to make a move and get out? Maybe it took her that long to formulate a plan, move through the power grid. Oh, over a decade? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you have experience with understanding how sort of sentient beings move through electrical wires? 
in fictional worlds? No, just wondering. What's the logic? Are you, are you criticizing her ambition or lack thereof? I'm just thinking it's awfully convenient. Well, I mean, it needs to be convenient to a point they're writing a script. True. And also she had to find the right person. Oh, I don't think there was any lack of geeks in the 70s. Yeah, but remember, she can only travel so far, presumably. Probably. Or she just needed to wait till uh, technology was good enough for her to be able to move around. That could very well be too. That might be th- that might be that might be the most plausible explanation. Mm. So did I just answer my own question? Could be. I mean, she is similar mm-hmm. predictor, so maybe she was waiting for that moment for a specific reason that we just don't know yet. Mm. Possibly. Another question, if the chronicoms have been destroyed and Sybil is basically code at this point, why and how did the Zephyr jump? Yeah, you know, I can... mm, Yep, I feel it. I can feel the aneurysm forming in my brain as I try to sort out all of these questions. I'm just making it worse, aren't I, with all my questions? Indeed you are. Mm, I'm not going to give up. I still have more. Ooh, I've got a theory. Oh, God. All right, everybody. Pen's out. (laughs) What if, back to my question about Coulson... Of how he got out and from from the hard, how he got out in the hard drive and all of that. What if, like one of our previous episodes, I had said that maybe this isn't the first time they've tried, and Gemma had gone and put something in, knowing that Coulson will blow himself up. Oh, could be. Hmm. Definitely. Okay. Or, ooh, one more theory. Oh, God. (laughs) It's just dominoes here at this point, people. (laughs) Sybil mentioned that Coulson gave her a bit of a surprise when he blew up the Chronicom ship. What if she pulled him along with her and that is why he was able to track her? Why would she do that? Do you mean inadvertently? Maybe, or maybe because being the predictor that she is, she had a plan knowing full well that the S.H.I.E.L.D. team would give him a body. And going back to my previous episode's theory, yes, I know I'm getting poop in the mail. <laughs> she she is doing some, you know, underhanded coding to make Coulson an undercover agent for the Chronicoms. Oh my God. Do you know what I'm seeing in my head right now? I'm seeing like five of you and the entire cast of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a park and there's just, everybody's just running around to Benny Hill music. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's just running around (laughs) carrying different props going, (laughs) that's all I can say. (laughs) It is convoluted enough for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's, uh, writers to come up with. It is. But I also think that they're counting on this and that none of this is going to come into play. <laughs> That's my new theory, is that they are holding something back that we haven't seen yet that has nothing to do with anything we already know. And it's something that we can't possibly guess. Okay, fair enough. But based on the knowledge that we have, this is the theory that I've come up with. All right, then. So Deke is still trying to convince Mac that The Deke squad is a real team that they need to be taken seriously. So 
he gets this idea. Oh, let me show you um, a training mission. I call it the gauntlet. (laughs) Yeah. Of all the things, the gauntlet. My fellow children of the 90s, who else flashed back to the episode of Saved by the Bell in which the cadet corps came to recruit at Bayside and Zach was the captain of a team and Slater was the captain of a team and Zach just had a whole bunch of knuckleheads who didn't have a clue what they were doing and were falling all over themselves. That is the gauntlet. (laughs) And crickets from the peanut gallery. Pun intended. Uh, What is the peanut gallery? (laughs) You've never heard that expression? No. You said it in the previous episode as well. It's a joke meaning unwanted advice. Hey! (laughs) Unwanted commentary, unwanted advice. So when I call you, when I call you, when I call you the peanut gallery, it means I don't want to hear the bullshit that you have coming. That's why I said it about the uh, the Colson theory, or whatever. Yeah, I didn't get it then, but hey, I don't appreciate such hostility from my own co-host. Would you rather have poop? You'd prefer poop to being called the peanut gallery. You know, you know what? You and everyone else calling for poop to be sent to me. If I turn out to be right, I will dance like Tobey Maguire in <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Ha! Why would you do that to yourself? <laughs> Just to torture all of you. Oh, God. What was enough? <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, one reason is if you guys see me dancing, it'll certainly ease the trauma of Goldson being the bad guy. Because you can't not laugh at me dancing. I don't know. Seeing Tobey Maguire dance was pretty traumatic. So if we see you do it, I'm not sure. (laughs) Well, true. So the gauntlet doesn't quite work out as Deke had planned, but he figures he's got an ace in the hole and shows Mac the shotgun axe that he designed just for him. Yeah, which is really nice. He's done a good job. Sweetest thing ever involving a weapon. True. But Mac, I st- again, it's too far. He acts like a total douche and he cannot and will not see how much Deke has grown. He's just too blinded by his own he his own grief and the depression, he's just too in his head. Yeah. Or maybe or maybe the beard is just weighing on his jaw so much that he can't think straight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there might be birds nesting in there too, so that they could get a little heavy. I think he has an entire ecosystem living there, <laughs> in there. Oh, man. So... Then we get another great kill. Uh, were you also kind of grossed out by Cricket and whoever this woman was? Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, yeah. I don't know why, I can't put my finger on it, but there was something gross. Because he was not reciprocating. He was just laying there like a piece of wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're so mature. Anyway, I think it was because it came off as very childish, as like they were a couple of 15-year-olds. Yeah. Maybe that's why it felt gross, because it felt like kiddish. Oh, now I get the reference. 
you know, all the scary movies start with the teenagers making out and then the bad, whatever scary thing is, take kills one of them. Good point. I hadn't even thought of that. That was it. You're right. That It's the old trope. It's the old Halloween and Friday the 13th trope. Yep. 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 Uh, great kill on Cricket here. <laughs> I think we knew he, he had a ticking clock above his head as soon as we saw him. Yeah, pretty much. Didn't care for the facial hair there either. No, not a fan. Yeah. So now we finally get Max's moment of reckoning here. Because Roxy tells him what he needs to fucking hear. Yeah. And good on her. Yes. Well, she's got no horse in this race, you know? Like, she's Deke's friend. She cares about Deke. Yeah, but is it me or did Mac look extra tall this episode? Oh my god, yes. I was going to comment on that, but we'll do it now. When he puts on those coveralls, he looks gigantic. Yeah. And did you notice that when he was drinking the beer and he was holding the bottles and the cans, his hands were so big that he was having trouble holding them? <laughs> yeah, he's like, he looks like he's an absolute giant. Yeah. So for Roxy to go and stand up to him where he could just, you know, wave his hand at her and she'd go flying, it takes guts. You're right about that. I hadn't thought of it that way. But yeah, especially because he's an angry guy at the moment. He's an angry guy with all kinds of lethal combat training. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. But, well, Mac wouldn't do that. She doesn't know that. True. She doesn't know that. Yeah. And it's interesting that, and of course, like, she doesn't think there's any kind of time travel involved, so it's logical. She thinks that young Mac is his son. Yeah. And that he abandoned him. Well, that probably could have been Deke's explanation. Oh, that's true. That's a good point. He would have to explain it somehow. Yeah. And that is when we find out that though, yes, Deke has been stealing songs, he's using the money he makes and giving it to Mac and his family. Yeah, true. Giving the kids school supplies, and then Maxie's, like, making sure the uncle has a better car and that they have a better life in general. Oh, I fucking melted. God damn you, Deke. <laughs> yeah, he did good. It's no wonder Deke would have a soft spot for abandoned kids. I mean, look at him. Yeah, true. And he does say that to Mac, that he lost his parents early too. Yeah. So he was connecting. He was trying to do his best for Mac, even though Mac was pushing him away. So then Mac doesn't have a whole lot of time to think about this because he and Roxy are immediately attacked by Short Circuit. And not a moment too soon for him to get his shit together. Yeah. And I love Olga here too. <laughs> you metallic wizard. Yeah. <laughs> They actually kind of have a little Cylon-y uh, look to them. And there's a great moment here, a great tension breaker, when Mac is just freaking out Rambo style. He's like, somewhere, somehow, someone's going to pay. <laughs> and there's silence. <laughs> you, you mean the robots? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, robots, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are a couple of uh, little scenes like that this yes. episode. Yeah, we yeah. have one right after that where... You know, Roxy's like, uh, Mac, Deke, I'm sorry, you guys don't really have time to have a moment here. 
<laughs> yeah. We've got killer robots <laughs> running around. Yeah. Oh, and that one moment where the robot just basically says, exterminate and starts shooting at everyone. Yeah. That was that was a Dalek reference, a Doctor Who reference. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about these moments of self-awareness that the show has here and in other spots. There was part of me that when we see Mac go to uh, trim the beard off, part of me wanted him to just, just have him fucking peel it off. Like, how funny would that be? <laughs> Yeah, but you notice he didn't actually cut it. Of course they not. Cut at the right at the last moment before he actually does the snip. It would have been so satisfying to see him cut it off. Yeah, but you know what? I don't think whatever material that was could be cut by like human made scissors. True. That's my theory, yeah. whatever the hell that was. Uh you know the robot with the drill? Yeah. He would be required. <laughs> You know what, sir? It's it's just going to be easier, Mr. Simmons, if we decapitate you first and then attempt to take the beard <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. And oh, man, when they're, they're like, oh, snap, lasers. I'm literally sitting on my couch and I'm just like, pew, 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 pew. <laughs> and then, you know, now that they're, they're rebonded, we're back together. And I have to say... Again, good on Deke for forgiving Max so quickly for his all of his transgressions. I don't think I could have forgiven him that fast. It doesn't even occur to him to hold a grudge. No, it doesn't. He understands. And that leads us to my favorite moment of the episode where he attempts the nickname Mac Daddy. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, no, 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 no. Yep. We get that very quick. Nope. Roger that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's forget this ever happened. <laughs> I sure would like to forget that ever happened. Yeah. So while they're taking out these robots, Sybil does manage to escape the lighthouse. Somehow. Yeah. Again. How? And in what way? Like, what is she? How is she moving? Via what? How? I... I'm at a loss. Are you having a stroke? <laughs> I just don't know how things work. <laughs> I think maybe she made a copy of herself and put it in the robot. She was still roaming around and that's how we meet our certain Malik, who's still alive. Malik, you son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. God damn it. But you know what? We were right. Yes. Uh, question. What's happened to his brother? Where's Gideon? Well, all right. It's 1983, so he couldn't have joined the cast of Entourage. So I'm going to guess like an extra on Miami Vice. Or he was sent to the Hive planet. Ooh, could be. My hope is that he was roofied by a woman who switched gla who switched glasses on him. <laughs> Because I think we know that happened. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if Nathaniel had actually killed him. Oh, oh! You know what? Forget the roofing. I'm on board for that. Mm -hmm. Yep. No poop for this one. <laughs> because if, with what Nathaniel discovered, if Gideon had dismissed it or been too focused on something else and not really given a shit about what Nathaniel wanted, yeah, I could see him taking him out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Hmm. Another question. 
How is he still the same age? It's only been a few years. It's been 10 years. In TV time, that's not enough for a new actor. Not for a new actor, but something. Some facial hair. Oh, I don't think he can pull off facial hair without looking like he belongs on a registered sex offenders list. You think his father could? Uh, That's a good point. It wouldn't stop them, would it? (laughs) Yeah. And Mac? Yeah. Mm. Unless... There we go. Are you coming up with a theory? He found a way to stay young like a certain other inhuman we know and we'll see next week. Possibly. Hmm. That's a good point. Hmm. So Mac and Deke have more time for a moment here as they go back to young Mac's house, take a look at what's going on. And that's when, you know, we really find out Deke's been giving them money. He's been making sure they have a great life. And he's really able to give Mac so much comfort. Yeah. Yeah. And he's become their friend, you know, getting them into new hobbies and things like that, which is good. It makes me wonder what cover story he used you know what I mean? To get to gain the trust of the family. Like, who did he say he was? Uh, he probably became friends with uh, the uncle. Maybe. He does tell Mac that I'm going to say you're part of the band. So they know he's, you know, the Deke squad. No, he shouldn't be part of the band. He should be the fucking bodyguard. <laughs> That's the most believable story. Hmm. So they have their moment. And then we find out it has been... 20 months that they've been apart from the rest of the team. Yeah. Yeah, which tracks. Yeah, but I like I wasn't really thinking about that too much during the episode. It hit me at the end. I was like, holy shit, 20 months. They've been gone almost two years. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. A lot can happen. But you just see the the time jump. Yeah. With mac and his beard and all of that it takes about a year yeah and i gotta tell you though this this hit me hard with yo-yo here she's a wreck and who can blame her yeah and i love their reunion scene it was so sweet (sighs) that got to me yeah it did because i've had one of those (laughs) (laughs) you know when she gets in there and she's walking so fast trying Mm. to find him I flash back to June of 2016 when I first spotted my husband at the airport when I picked him up after he spent a year in Korea. Okay. You know, and I was just like, oh, I know exactly what she's feeling right now. And it just, Mm. all the feels. And in this moment, if she had her powers, she wouldn't have even bothered to wait for May to come in. No, she'd she'd have been moving so fast she'd have knocked him against the wall. Yeah, pretty much. Regardless that he literally makes two of her, possibly more. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, th- this moment was both heartbreaking and hilarious, as so many Felinda moments are this season. Colson is stuck inside a fucking TV, and he's still getting sass from May. <laughs> well, it kind of tracks with what she was saying last episode. You never die. Yeah. And it's like, you know what, dude? He's like, well, it's not the reaction I was expecting. Dude, you've met her, right? <laughs> I think it's time to lower your expectations. <laughs> That's the give and take between the two of them. Yes. So now I guess the Deke squad is joining the team. I certainly hope so. Yeah, it looked like it by all accounts. Yeah. And they were a lot of fun. 
They were. I want to see Olga learning English and Deke trying to serenade her. Oh my God. I need to see Olga and Enoch together. Why do I feel like that would be hilarious? Yes. Absolutely, yes. Because he'll be able to speak <laughs> Russian, right? He can speak different languages, right? That I'm aware of, but I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, he can just like upload it to himself, right? See, now you're going into the Matrix territory. He's a machine. He's a computer. Yeah, fair, fair enough. I agree. <laughs> he can upgrade his combat packages. Why not languages? Yeah, true. I agree. And considering he has spent, what, 30,000 years on Earth... Probably did a tour in Ukraine for a bit. Yeah, so then we see Malik, and oh, do I want to know what that little device is in his hands. That They say, though, that uh, that's the time stream. They say it's something. Sybil says it's, it's it, something that holds the key to the future, whatever. No, 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 no. You know, there's dialogue between the team and... Colton in the in the TV and they intercut it with the robot with Sybil, may I add, showing us the middle finger while she finds this blue little glowy thing. Yeah. While they're intercutting with it, they say that this is the time stream and they need to find it. Ah, hence the promo saying they've lost control of the time drive. See, I think they're misleading us with the way they've cut it with we've lost control and then Gemma saying the time drive. Yeah, I'm not 100% on board there. And to be fair, they were never in control. That's true. They were just riding on the Chronicom's coattails. Which, again, all this time, the last six episodes, they didn't know when they were going to jump till like 15 minutes before they could jump. In this episode, when May and Yo-Yo are leaving... She says they have 27 days. Yeah, from when they're leaving from the Zephyr. Yeah. Gemma says, you have 27 days to rendezvous back with us. How do they know? Yeah. What's happened in the last 20 months that they suddenly have this technology and ability? Yeah, 20 months for Deke and Mac. How long has it been for the rest of the team? And where did they come from? Yes, when have they come from? Aha. I also just realized something. They were drafting along the Chronicom ship the same way Marty McFly used to drift on his skateboard on the backs of cars. Seriously? Yes. Do not even tell me I'm reaching because Michael J. Fox fucking invented that. (laughs) (laughs) It is also extremely dangerous, but that's beside the point. Yeah, that's besides the point. And it, well, it is dangerous for the S.H.I.E.L.D. team as well. Um, But yeah, I get it. I can see that. Uh, Another question. How did they come back? All this time they've been going forward and forward and forward. Uh Uh-huh. As Gemma had said before, they'd never have the energy supply to go back in time again. How? 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 Yes. When did they go and when have they come back from? And I'll say it again for good measure. (gasps) Where the fuck is Fitz? All right, so we've reached the end of this episode with, without my head spinning around like Regan in The Exorcist, so that's always a good thing. Speak for yourself. I have too many questions. So next week from the promo we've seen, we are heading to Afterlife. Yeah, we meet Jaying, who is probably a little less crazy. Yeah, and we did predict a few episodes ago that she was going to come into play somehow. Yes. 
So we deserve to pat ourselves on the back just just a little bit. I'm still waiting for my big theories to come true. Poop or no poop? (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. So this episode obviously raised a lot of questions. We named a bunch of them. We are positive we missed some. So tell us, what other questions do you have at the end of this insane episode? And if you have any answers to any of my questions, please tell me. Please. (laughs) Preferably without the poop. You can email us at themarvelousmadams at gmail.com or let us know on Twitter or Instagram at MarvelMadams. Thanks to all you madams for joining us today. I'm Madam Chris. And I'm Madam Amy. Assemble with us next for episode eight of the final season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. After, before. And everybody, if you have a minute, please go over to iTunes, give us a rating, leave us a review. And if you happen to also... uh, disagree with any of Amy's theories I will send her a bag of poop on your behalf. And while you're at it, visit us at themarvelousmadams.com where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. Did you say poop or no poop or poop on your poop? No, poop or no poop. Okay. That actually would be better, better poop on your poop. <laughs> I shit on your poop. I'll send it back to all of you with interest. <laughs> no, that's just gross. You don't have any pets. It would have to be your own. That's disgusting. Yeah. Like, like, like uh, pet poop is less disgusting. I'm not sitting on the toilet with a bag over my asshole to catch it. Hey, I could go in public. <laughs> the pig is Where has this conversation gone? <laughs>